Hi, I'm Juliana Hever, the plant-based dietitian. And I'm Ray Cronice. And you're listening to the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. Welcome to the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We feature destination races from across the country. And after the race, we take you on a tour of the best local food and beverage to celebrate. So whether you are an elite runner or a back of the packer like us, you'll know the best places to accomplish, explore, and indulge on your next runcation. Hey, welcome to episode 109 of the Runny Drink Podcast. I'm your host, Amy. And I'm your co-host, Dana. Welcome to this jam-packed and awesome episode. We have so much to bring to you guys this week. Uh, it's going to be a great and slightly oversized episode. I would say it would be perfect for a long run. Yes, or if, you, if you're dedicating a few hours to cleaning the house, listen to this. Yeah, absolutely. We have got not one, but two interviews for you this week. This week, we are finishing our interview with Ray Cronice and Juliana Hever. Yes, so great. The authors of The Healthspan Solution and the hosts of the Science and Saucery podcast. So One of my favorites for a long run. They dive into some great information from the book. And then to finish out the episode, we have an interview with somebody who has rapidly become near and dear to our hearts, and that is Caleb McPherson of Narrative Coffee Roasters, a place you discovered. Yes, yes. I got that fantastic coffee at work before we were closed down due to the current situation. And... Now he's offering local delivery and delivery in the U.S. of his coffee beans and ground coffee. Awesome, awesome coffee. Well, we have so much to share with you guys this week. We can't wait to dive right in. So let's do it. We've got to recap our top run challenge. As you know, we ran a 5K, a 10K, and a half marathon as part of a virtual running series that was themed after one of, I will just say one of, the best movies of the 1980s. One of my favorites for sure. Top Gun. Mm-hmm. And this series had a medal that was just killer. And... I got to say, it was a quite a challenge to accomplish, especially as the temperature began climbing here in Florida. It was super hot. So I know we recapped the 5K on last week's episode. Yes. So I'll just say the 10K conditions were better. Well, no. Well. It was nice outside. It was sunny. Yeah. But I, it started getting warm. Yeah, it was it was way warmer between the 5K and the 10K. And then I think we were smarter in the half marathon because we got up super early so that we wouldn't have to combat the sun. Yeah, after getting slightly sunburned during the 10K, mm. we learned, I learned my lesson anyway. Yeah. And you, you were right there with me. So yeah. that was fantastic. So um, the 10K race for you? It was, it was good. It was, you know, you just, 
the earlier the lesson in that is you get up the earlier you get up the less you have to combat the sun and the rising humidity and feels like temperatures absolutely yeah so we took advantage of that lesson going into the half it i just had to take it easy because of my plantar fasciitis on both the 10k and the half smart mm-hmm. yeah don't overtrain yeah. that you um, well, I had a better half marathon than I did 10K. It's kind of weird to say that, even though I ran twice the distance. And usually the 10K is your favorite distance. Ten, 10K is absolutely normally my favorite distance. Yeah. Uh, this go around, I was experimenting with different intervals for each 5K segment of the half marathon. I mm-hmm. started out doing um, just some real easy um 15 second running, 30 second walking, and then changed it up and went with like a 1050 and then a 555. I I think my ideal ratio is going to be somewhere in the middle, and I'm Mm going to be playing with that over the coming weeks as we head into our next running challenge. My half marathon kind of strategy was to take it easy because of my feet and to walk a majority of it, but then... It's so hard if you love running and you want to keep up your training. I, I just wanted to do a little bit of interval work right there at the end just just to see if the pacing would be there on tired legs. Mm-hmm. And it was, so that makes me happy. But I want to be really conservative because I don't want to aggravate any issues. I don't blame you so. one bit. I was smart and didn't really do intervals except for there at the end. And right there at the end, we had... The music playing from the Top Gun soundtrack. Yes. You, you wrote us out a finish line in chalk on the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. And the metal, this big six-inch metal with it looks like aviator glasses and an F-14 Tomcat with a killer ribbon around it. We got to put that on each other's neck. Yeah, and we did a live there at the end for people to see it. And, of course, our traditional post-race moose head. Yes, Yes, we had a nice uh, beverage right there in our driveway. Love the lager. So this is a fantastic virtual series for you to do. It's inexpensive. Mm -hmm. 25 bucks a piece for the metal with the ribbon and finishers, uh, two-sided bib and finishers uh, certificate. Yeah, or bib. They they. They do on one side the bib and on the other the finisher yes. certificate. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's made of the Tyvek material, so it's actually very high quality. It was it, very sturdy. It holds up um, if you want to run with it on, which we did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our neighbors probably thought we were big dorks, but whatever. That's all right. And it was just an absolute blast to do it in the neighborhood. So I would ask, if you're looking for a virtual with a pretty awesome piece of bling and True some enough. other memorabilia yeah would you say this is one people should do highly recommend awesome. and it's still going on through the end of the month as long as they don't run out of bibs and medals so we're going to link to that in the show notes yep go check that out and look in the episode artwork for this week's episode you can see what that metal looks like absolutely it is fantastic yeah so now it's time to get into the eating portion of this week's episode and we Mm -hmm. want to dive right into that because it's a pretty extended interview with ray and juliana and we've talked about them before hosts of the science and saucery podcast but this part of the interview really gets into the health span solution and what it has to offer for anybody looking to improve their health weight loss just 
no-nonsense, fabulous interview chucked full of helpful information. So without further ado, we bring you the second part of our interview with Ray Cronice and Juliana Hever, authors of The Healthspan Solution. So Juliana, can you kind of define that for uh, for us and, and talk a little bit about that for people who may not be familiar with that terminology? Yes. So HealthSpan is, you know, well, most people think about lifespan, right? And how long that we live. And HealthSpan is how well we live. So we it's, it's not about living longer. It's about living longer. So adding more life to your years. You know, not most people don't want to live to be very old if they're debilitated or sick mm-hmm. and not able to enjoy with vitality and, you know, do do what they love to do. And so the goal is to increase quality of life um, for the rest of your life. And with the research going in the direction that it is, you know, in terms of pharmacological and gene therapies, mm-hmm. you know, pushing lifespan to potentially be much longer, or at least there it looks like very a lot of potential there. We want to talk about well, what can we do to reduce our risk for age-related chronic diseases? How do mm. we stay vit- vital and healthy? And all the evidence seems to point to eating a diet of vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, mushrooms, nuts, seeds, herbs, and spices. Mm. And I mean, it sounds so crazy, and because it's so simple, and yet that's that all these different angles all pointed in this direction. And that's me and, and Ray came to that in a slightly different way, but together that message is so synergistic and it's so mm. it's so empowering because, you know, we tell our clients you're not broken, you know, it's the food and this is the way that we can we can have control over our future. You know, we can't, mm. you know, change our genes, but the research on epigenetics show that your you have your diet and lifestyle have way more impact on whether or not those genes are expressed or suppressed, and so that's it's quite empowering if you think about it that we really do have some control, and it all happens at the end of your fork. Can I get you to expand a little bit on that notion that you're not broken? I think that's probably one of the most yeah. powerful messages that you guys have been saying in your podcast, uh, to, so much so that yes. uh, almost two years later. As I'm listening to episodes and I'm on my runs, I mean, I get emotional. I'm emotional now thinking about that Mm -hmm. because for the longest time you hear you need to have more willpower. You need to be more motivated, be more motivated. You need to work harder. And nobody addresses the evolutionary, the the, the evolutionary aspect of Mm -hmm. how people are designed and, and how we haven't adapted to what the current situation and and for the majority of the western western civilization with plentiful food yeah in 2011 the research showed that for the first time in history we have more people overnourished than undernourished mm. and it's not because all of a sudden our thyroids all broke or our hormones changed or anything it's that for the first time we have unlimited access to food and Mm. more so we have unlimited access to hyper palatable foods foods that are you know partly designed in a lab or partly just created to be hyper palatable where they taste really good and Mm. i just there's a new study that came out yesterday showing that it's the food itself the way the food is the way it impacts your brain 
that it makes you eat more. Like how many people go, oh, I just can't stop eating the broccoli. I just, I just can't stop. <laughs> no, but like, you know, you start with the potato chip and you sooner than you realize you're at the bottom of the bag mm. because those foods are, you know, they're highly refined and there's salt and sugar and oil and it makes you just want more. And that's not you. You're not broken. You are choosing, if you're choosing those foods, it has an impact, a biochemical and neurological impact that, that drives you to eat and eat more of these, these wrong foods. So, you know, the, the truth is that we are, um, living in a different society. It's not scarcity. And, you know, we are biologically driven to survive. And if you think about back then when food wasn't available everywhere, Mm. you would be at an advantage to want to eat and eat as much as you could, because that was for survival. And like Ray so eloquently describes in his paper, the metabolic winter hypothesis, we keep eating and eating and, you know, in preparation for winter, but winter never comes. Yeah. But but I would say I will take a slightly different take on this because I absolutely put no blame on the food whatsoever. Zero zilch, none, zero. I don't care how processed, I don't know how, how refined, how hyper palatable it is. Most of the vices mm. and problems we perceive are evolutionary advantages gone awry. And it's better explained by cultural and social norms mm. outpacing genetics. And so the fact of the matter is, is we're driven to eat. And while it's true that the number of overnourished versus undernourished changed in 2011, if you go back a century ago, and I've got tons of books on it right here on the shelf, you go back a century ago, in fact, you go back two centuries ago, the problems were identical then. The difference is less people could afford them. So mm. the only way the hyperpalatable foods have changed what's going on in the human is that it's actually made them less expensive has nothing to do with us being addicted to food industry and addicted to flavors because mm. I can promise you, let me control your mouth and I'll uh-huh. take natural, wholesome, amazing, beautiful food and I will pack the pounds on you as long as you eat what I tell you to eat. And I can, we can predict that. That's what we talk about in oxidative priority. So the idea of you're not broken is exactly that. An appetite is not a trait of negative selection. It doesn't matter what you're fulfilling that appetite with. A good appetite, which means when you taste food and it tastes good, you want to eat and eat and eat. That is perfectly normal, perfectly expected behavior Mm. for an organism that adapted in a calorie-scarce world. It's your access to food that kept things in check, not your ability to push away. So this entire concept that somehow food has changed in the last century and because food has changed in the last century, we're being addicted to these foods and we're being drawn into these foods and we're eating and eating and eating. I'm sure I can find correlations with that in in journal articles, but I don't believe it to be fundamentally true because I believe that access has changed Mm. and that outstrips everything. Even some of the most poor nations today can get access to excess calories and that those excess calories come in the form of refined food is, you know, is really sort of a a square and a rectangle kind of argument. All squares are rectangle, but not all rectangles are squares. Right. Mm. It doesn't matter if I went to those same societies and gave them unlimited versions of 
healthy food like you see in the more wealthy um in the more wealthy countries mm. they're going to all become overweight on those foods and that's what i did i became overweight eating mostly whole cooked food i mean yes i did go to fast food stuff but i was also eating sushi tons of sushi because i had an expense count and i was taking oh. people out for amazing a fogo de chow where they just freak they come by with the slips of meat everywhere and a huge salad bar to die for and i ate vegetables the whole time my my whole family i grew up on a produce farm for the first half of my life and the last half of my life i had a, a cattle farm and so and i hunted and i became overweight eating healthy whole grass-fed food and it didn't matter i ate too much of it why because i had access to it why not eat a little bit more that was and and the idea that willpower so what happens when you institute a whole food plant-based diet and this is where the intersection with the refined food especially the vegan junk food this is where oh, this matters yeah. is that when you're eating a whole food plant-based diet that list that juliana gave early of vegetables fruits whole grains mm -hmm. legumes mushrooms nuts seeds herbs and spices what ends up happening is that it naturally has higher volume yeah. and it naturally is more filling and it's naturally harder to overeat that diet in terms of gaining weight now losing weight is something completely different losing weight and not gaining have really no physiological underpinning that is the same and until you separate those two things until you separate those two ideas there's plenty of people out there that aren't losing but they're also not gaining mm -hmm. i can't tell you how many clients that come to us the women they tend to be between 160 and 190 and you know five four to five 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 that's what they all tend to be and every single one of them if you ask them well are you gaining weight well not you know yeah i guess i am and i said well how long have you been at this weight oh i don't know the last five or six or seven years so they've been fine at 180 but they can't get down to 120 and and be fine there and the question is why and and that has to do with the fact that their access to food takes them to that level and that at some level they just stop they just stop they just push back and for our thin friends they're not genetically superior they just start pushing back earlier mm. And once you don't see yourself as broken, once you say these are normal expected behaviors and you say, okay, if this is my normal expected behavior, why not take some precautions so that when I get out, you know, outside the lines a little bit, it's not going to be a difficulty. I mean, everybody puts a helmet on when they're riding a bike, not because they plan to have a bike accident, but because they want to make sure that if they do, they don't have a catastrophic event. Sure. Mm. But I also like in in the books as I as I read, I really somehow I just really resonated with and I think it's just my long history with failing at dieting that the the more we count, the worse our health. And I just, I, I kind of wanted to hear more of your thoughts about that. Yes. So the, it's so interesting because we've become really good counters and we've got really good tech now, like all these apps mm -hmm. where you can input what you eat and you yeah. can take a picture and an estimate. There's like so many things now. 
so you know we've become experts at counting things but it doesn't seem to help does it i mean you know no it, it just you know ray likes to say that the only reason people count calories is to see how much more they can eat <laughs> to get away with right yeah um because you know i'll do that i've i've caught myself doing that like i'll be putting something into my chronometer and thinking oh if i have one more you know serving of this what will it do to my day and i and i realize that it really doesn't it doesn't do anything and the point is that if you're not if specifically like we said like weight loss and weight maintenance are completely different, different yeah. so if you are on weight loss mode and you're not losing weight it's the food it's how much you're eating it's what it's what you're eating and like you just need to eat less and you know we've walked now thousands of people I guess together hundreds of people um, through a weight loss transformation and you just have to eat less. You just have to, and it doesn't matter the numbers because there is no magic number. You know, some people could eat, get away with a little bit more, but if you're not losing you specifically, if you're not losing, there's nothing about counting that's going to help you. So you mm. just need to, you know, eat less. I mean, you could get away with eating cheesecake if you ate it once a month you wouldn't gain weight you mm. would still be losing weight if that's all you ate right but if you ate it every day you probably have to eat a lot less of that cheesecake to lose weight right or maybe yeah. you you know, you'd have to have like a bite of cheesecake so it, it doesn't matter exactly you know the numbers and the carbs and proteins and fat and all that we talk about that with macro confusion what really matters is if you're trying to lose weight you just need to eat less less frequently less quantity you know, that's, it, it has mm -hmm. really, you don't, there's no way to control it by counting. But as part of the health span solution and as part of what we have done in, in going plant-based, I feel like there's a, there's a higher volume. That's, Ray was talking about yeah. that a, little, a little bit ago. And, and I know in your bio, you even talk about, you love diving into a, a big bowl Full of salad. salad. Yeah. And I, I can tell you, after eating some of your salads oh from God. the HealthSpan solution, I'm yeah. like, I, I've actually said to Amy, I said, this is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, the, the recipe, like this, I said, this thing is huge. Which one? You were talking about, let, what was it, the Southern Bowl? Oh, that's, that what Southern Bowl is, is ins oh, yeah. an insane huge. amount of food. If I had known what I was cooking when I was well, cooking, I'd have split that with her. <laughs> Yeah, but if you notice, we don't have, I mean, they made us put um, serving servings in there, estimated servings in there. Oh. Mm -hmm. However, you know, we don't, we we did not put carbs, protein, fat, nutrient nope. profiles. We didn't do any of that because, right. or calories, it doesn't matter. So if you make that and it's too much, then don't eat it, you know, if, and That's if it's it. not enough, eat the whole thing, you know, yeah. it's, it's, we want you to, to know how much you need to eat and there are varying amounts we don't do every every recipe isn't for exactly for people because you may want to have a whole salad all by yourself or mm. you may want to have a soup a salad a side and a sweet and just less of each just to have more variety it yeah. just doesn't matter it just doesn't matter we want you to it's a do it yourself figure out what you love and make it happen we don't have breakfast lunch and dinner it's you know it's it doesn't matter when you eat it it just we want you to find a few recipes that you love to eat and then whip them up. And if you have leftovers, we have storage guidelines in all the recipes or most of the <laughs> recipes are really easy to store yeah. and you can eat it throughout the week or even freeze it and eat it, you know, throughout the months. I mean, we're, we're all about that, the meal prep and that type of thing that makes it easier. Oh, absolutely. Totally. Like grab and go. <clears throat> I mean, yeah. Getting away from processed foods. I think, And, that's, and that's mainly soups. Oh. Soups are soups are something that you can have. 
in the refrigerator or in the freezer. You know, you can batch cook them once a week and then put them in the freezer and they can be there and be there ready for you to, you know, grab and go, you know, so that's the kind of thing, you know, things like salads, which are traditionally overly associated with plant-based diet for Mm -hmm. obvious reasons, but Mm -hmm. salads, you know, they tend to have fresh elements that you have to manage a little bit more. And so if you're not used to going to the grocery store and grabbing just what you need. And if you try to, for example, a lot of times if you try to go to Costco or Sam's and Mm. buy an enormous amount of greens, you find yourself eating just because you got extra greens as opposed to (laughs) what you really need to do. And that can be, that can cause another problem because what happens Mm. just as uh, often we see with people is they do veg, what we call vegetable stuffing. They keep oh. eating and eating and eating, eating and eating and eating, eating, and they have these enormous meals. They don't have any calories, so they celebrate that they don't have any calories. But what they've conditioned <laughs> themselves to do is to shove their body full of, quote unquote, healthy, low calorie meal. And then the very first time they go off of their plan, even a little bit, they complain because the little bit of olive oil or the little bit of nuts and seeds or the little bit of fat in their diet boom, they start ballooning up in weight. Well, the real problem is they just habituated themselves. And again, in evolution and in survival, habit is mm. survival, right? We want to have those kinds of habits that we that we learn to do so that we don't have to think about every single problem. That's why humans, you know, come up with habits, right? It's the difference between being able, when you first start driving, going right into the you know, right in t- between two cars and parking the car, which takes every bit of your focus and being not to say, will this car even fit? Mm. And now everybody, you know, later in life, you're just whipping it in and you're not even thinking about it. You're on the cell phone, you're just doing radio, you know, you're swatting down the kid in the back and you're going into the parking lot space all at the same time, right? So that's because of that repetition. And so if you get yourself habituated to eating these really large meals, whether or not they're healthy, what you also end up doing is putting yourself in a situation where when you're eating things that aren't as healthy, you're going to tend to overeat mm. those way more than you would have otherwise. Mm. So, so you know, when we get to the salads, salads one of the things that you have to plan a little more. Yeah. Sides typically are a little bit more complicated to make, meaning, you know, they have more steps and just yeah. in general, you know, if you're making an eggplant rollatini versus, you know, the crabby chef soup, you know, one of them is all out of the freezer. Boom, you put everything in there. You throw the spices in there. You throw your vegetable broth in there and you're done, right? I mean, it's like heat it basically. The other one, yeah. you know, requires some steps. You got to make some you know, some tomato sauce. We hope that you'd rather do that. Then you've got to, you know, soften the eggplant and roll it up. And it's a few extra steps. But once you learn how to do it, it's really easy to do. Yeah. I watched Juliana make the the base, the butternut squash cheesy sauce that we use for the Rotel broccoli bisque. And so she makes that as a dressing a lot of times for her salads. And so she can whip that up effortlessly. She just has been making it for so long. Right. She just throws the butternut squash in the oven, doesn't think about it. She does it even whole. And then she cuts it all up and she puts it in there and she's made Mm. it and it's very fast. And then for me, I do most of our other salad dressings every day and I just don't even, I don't even know what salad dressing I'm making by the time I'm starting when I get the neutral bullet out. And by the end I have a salad dressing because it's just habit. I'll say, okay, this and this and this and this, and it tastes good together. So where I'm Mm -hmm. going with is those become a little bit more. And then in sweets, Mm -hmm. sweets is interesting because everybody thinks of sweet as dessert. And you know, um, 
when you're eating all fruit and we've got lots of friends that that's all they eat are fruit, you know, they're just saying, you know, Hey, yeah, I basically eat dessert all day long, you know, and they're, and none of them have weight problems. They don't have issues with weight for sure. They're very athletic. They put on muscle mass, but when you're eating sweet type meals, it's more of not realizing that you have to eat so much. I mean, you can try to overeat watermelon. You want to do a real great experiment (laughs) water in the middle of the summer, grab watermelon and eat watermelon and nothing but watermelon for three or four days. And you'll find you can't eat much of it. No, you know, it's really hard to eat 500 calories of watermelon. That's like a lot of watermelon. It is a lot (laughs) of watermelon. So what what ends up happening is that when you're eating fruit, you're probably eating all day long and you're eating mangoes and you're eating bananas and you're eating watermelon, you're eating all this stuff. And so a lot of people aren't successful in fruit kinds of diets because they just simply don't eat enough. Mm. You just have to eat a lot more. So in each section of the book, we cover a different sort of element. And once you learn it, it becomes second nature. It's yeah. just like the stuff you're habitually doing right now. Yeah. Well, we are loving cooking yes. our way. The book lays down a lot of your science and research and explanation of the plan and then mm-hmm. gives a hundred recipes in the book covering those categories. And so we're, we're loving cooking our way through it right now. It's, it's been fantastic so far. Um, one last major concept I was hoping we could touch on. Um, you've, you talk about, both in the book and on your podcast, the food triangle. Science and sorcery. Yes, science and sorcery. Yes. You should subscribe, folks. <laughs> the food triangle. And this might confuse people, or they might equate that in their mind if they're just casually listening here, thinking, oh, food pyramid, I've seen that. I know what you're talking about. They're two totally different animals. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So the food triangle was an attempt uh, back in 2014 to do really two things. One, get the discussion away from protein, carbs, and fat and other kinds of terms of biochemistry, which Mm. have some importance but really not in the grocery store. So mm-hmm. we wanted to return the question that everybody asks, which is, what should I eat? So we mm-hmm. wanted to turn the discussion back to foods that you could recognize. Because when someone has on the menu, pick your protein, this is just laughable. This is just laughable because it, it's just crazy what they do. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we all believe it and go along with it is, a, is another thing. It's kind of like BMI. It doesn't make sense. But anyway, so so the idea was first to have something that people could easily recognize um, various foods and how they're segregated for health. And then the second thing was that it also works because foods in the food triangle are segregated based on how they align with all of the longevity and health span data. So this the originally concept was myself, another person, David Sinclair, who is from Harvard. He's a longevity researcher. He just came out with a really amazing book called Lifespan, if you haven't read it. Oh. And then Dave, and then uh, Andrew Bremer, who is a uh, PhD, MD, endocrinologist, pediatric endocrinologist. He's at NIH right now, was the former type 2 diabetes director, and then he's uh, heading a division on 
nutrition and metabolism for pediatrics now. Wow. So the three of us were looking at this and saying, how could we take these concepts and put them all together? And what, and what the food triangle does that's different than a pyramid, a pyramid is basically um, simply a distribution list of how the USDA wants you to buy produce and livestock products. So basically take all the stake hand, stakeholders of the USDA whether that be big beef or big asparagus, right? Mm. And what they did is they laid down and said, please bought, buy all of our products. <laughs> and you should mainly buy these products down at the bottom and eat those because these are ex inexpensive ways to sort of fill our food. And then as you go up the, up the food pyramid, it sort of, uh, you know, it sort of um, diminishes the amount, but also you'll see that the calories are increasing as you're going to the top too. Mm. And so... The fact of the matter is, is it really gave you nothing to help you get more healthy, and despite it being represented as that. The food triangle is completely different. At the top and the apex of the food triangle, we have leafy greens, cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, bok choy, cauliflower, etc., um, asparagus and celery, which are stems, um, bulbs like garlic and onions, mushrooms. And these are the high volume, high phytonutrient, high fiber foods that are at, at this top that you can eat on almost unlimited quantity. Now, with the caveats of what I was saying before, vegetable stuffing is probably not recommended. But sure. the fact of the matter is you're, if you just had to live on these foods, you would have a hard time getting enough. Mm -hmm. Down one descending side of the food triangle is animal sourced foods. And so seafood, dairy, eggs, you know, all those, you know, beef, chicken, all those things are down one side. And down the other descending side are plant-sourced uh, calories and foods, which would be starchy vegetables and fruits. And then to a lesser degree, nuts and seeds. And the reason why they're a little separated out is most plants store their energy as starches or sugars. Most animals store their energy as fat. So generally speaking, that's true, but we all know that avocados have fat in them and coconuts have fat in right. them and yeah. nuts and seeds have fat in them. So you have to, those particular foods have to be, you know, looked at in a different way. Now, what's not on that food triangle anywhere is oils and refined sugars and apple juice and, you know, and beef lard or anything mm -hmm. like that. It's just whole foods. And what you'll notice right away is that most classical recipes are what we would call bottom feeding. And you know, bottom feeding is steak and potatoes, burger and fry, mm. fish and chips, pasta and meat sauce, right? Mm -hmm. Curry and rice. Vegetarian, vegan, or omnivorous, it does not matter. Classic traditional recipes are normally basically compose the the dishes are composed of something from the right on the bottom of the food triangle and something on the left on the bottom of the food triangle that's just how it's always been and that actually fits perfectly if a person doesn't have a lot of economic access to food because your body will use the glucose now and store the fat for later mm. But today, later never comes. Yeah. And when you're wealthy and when you have access to food, later never comes. Later is the next meal. And so if you're constantly using the glucose now, 
and storing the fat for later and later never comes, is it any surprise that the weight gain goes on? So the food triangle predicts perfectly that. Now we, Julian and I, came up with a special version because as we were talking to a lot of clients that were vegan and vegetarian, in the food triangles that were vegan and vegetarian, what we, what we put in the book is a sort of a special version of the food triangle where we just simply se separated out in the case of vegetarians, they still have eggs in their diet mm -hmm. and they still have cheese and mm -hmm. oftentimes they'll have cheese or dairy in their diet, right? right. Mm -hmm. But they'll also have coconuts, avocados, nuts and seeds. And then in vegans, they're going to have just the nut seeds, avocado and coconut for the most mm -hmm. part. I mean, tofu could be obviously in some sense it, it's higher in fat, but we're talking about mm -hmm you know, more of the really really uh, concentrated sources. So in their cases, you know, it's a cheese pizza that causes the vegetarians. I mean, you you put, if you want to gain weight, just put keep putting cheese on your baked potato all day long mm -hmm. or just eat quesadillas. Quesadillas mm -hmm. is a great way to put pack on the pounds, you know, just keep cheese eating delivery them. System. I promise you. You know, <laughs> that's absolutely. And, and I can't tell you what that meant in my life. And then what Juliana and I were seeing was, and, and you know, as she, even as she was changing, and she can talk a little bit more about this, is, you know, as all these vegan cheeses came out and vegan oh. mayos and vegan yeah. whatever, so suddenly you don't have the eggs. I mean, they're just oil. You know, they're you know, whipped up oil like, a, like a, you know, the old aioli, but mm -hmm. they're now, you know, called mayo. We make mayo up. That's another food that doesn't exist. We just made it up. It's white, creamy stuff. We have a recipe for one in there that doesn't have all of that extra stuff in there. But mm. and it's the excellent. fact that was what I'm saying is, is that <laughs> Juliana would see with her audiences. So maybe Juliana, why don't you describe the vegetarian and vegan food triangle and then how you've seen things like the cheese and other kind of uh, vegan cheeses and other whatever burgers and stuff, how that's impacted people oh, yeah. over this time. Yeah, no, it really, it really is the first time that I'm having people come to me that are on a plant-based diet, vegetarian or, or, you know, vegan that are coming to me with the same things as the previously, it was just the meat eaters that were coming to me, you know, the high blood pressure, the high cholesterol, uh, you know, high blood sugars, uh, mm. can't lose weight. And it's because of, I mean, I think that this food pyramid offers I'm sorry, <laughs> the food triangle offers an explanation, you know, and People don't understand, like, I don't understand, I must be broken. But really, it, it makes sense if you look at it from this this perspective of bottom feeding. Very, very easy to do now because you simply just swap in a vegan version of fried fish or vegan chicken patty or, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's basically very similar. And a lot of these things are touting themselves as similar to the animal version of it, whereas that's what we would look at as a disadvantage because mm. yes you may get that same texture flavor whatever profile but you're also going to have the same you know implied health risks the adverse effects of eating those foods so it's mm. it's quite interesting you know uh, you know thinking about the other benefits of people choosing those vegan products you know they're doing it for environmental reasons or mm -hmm. animal reasons but yet they're going to suffer the consequences and I'm I'm worried for the vegan movement. I really am. I I don't want to see, you know, people that are so passionate to help, you know, animals or the environmental, mm -hmm. and they're suffering because of it. So I you can have both. You can absolutely have both if you just switch to eating on the right side of the food triangle and and staying away from all of those, you know, 
super processed, animal-free junk food. Pre-packaged Franken food. Mm. Yeah, and we see a we see a lot of this even with our clients. You know, our clients will start out; they'll be eating just like Penn. Penn's a great example of this. And and you start out, and it's very clear what we're eating, and it's very clear what a whole food plant based diet is about. And then if someone migrates as Penn does and goes from plant based to vegan, sooner or later he and this is what he said. If you listened to our podcast, sooner or later he's eating vegan. Mm. He he's he's stopped. He's lost the mission completely of what he was trying to do. And he just starts off eating all of this vegan junk food, which the food industry will openly cater to, just mm-hmm. like you know, you talked about the physicians catering to pills, powders, mm-hmm. screenings and procedures and mm-hmm. needles in the side of your penis. Whatever oh. you want, they'll they they'll happily do that. And they're not wrong for doing that. They're not they're not, you know, this idea to blame the food industry or blame the um blame the the uh, food uh, the the, the medical industry for or, your yeah. problems i mean look you have a hundred percent control of what you put in your mouth don't ever blame a package a label don't ever blame any other human being for why you decided to swallow it you know i mean you've got lots of other orifices in your body and no <laughs> one tells you what to put in those either mm-hmm. right it's your responsibility it's your <laughs> it is your your you as a person get to say what goes into every orifice of your body, including your ears. If you don't like it, don't tell me to make it illegal or censor it. Just don't listen to it. You know, I mean, there's lots of people that find Penn offensive, but look at how many people Penn has helped just with, you know, going public with this, this, and, and in a way, look, I would, a lot of people would read that book and say, oh my gosh, like it's crazy. You know, he's talking about swing clubs and all kinds of other stuff, crazy stuff, right? But that's Penn. And those yeah. of us who like Penn know exactly. And he's a very, very thoughtful person. He thinks of this stuff really deeply. It's not just, you know, out there just to be provocative and for only that reason, right? You know, he does it with a whole nother reason. And so my, my point is, is that this is something one can do. This is this is this is the anyone listening. This is the only thing that is 100% within your control, or it's one of the main things that is. You get to say. Now you don't have. It, no one else has to be, has to accept your diet. We say this in the book very clearly. Your diet doesn't have to become their diet. You don't right. have to change everybody in the house. Sure. You don't have to have the support group. You don't have to involve anybody. Just begin somewhere mm-hmm. and change for you. And what's mm-hmm. really amazing is that this idea of being a lighthouse and not a tugboat is something we see more and more and more of our clients being able to do. The less mm. they say, the more impact and influence they have on the people that are closer to them. It is true. It is true because I saw you and then when I started I didn't, I was very private about it. I didn't talk a whole lot about it, but at work people, people would see the change and it does take that effect. Right. Yeah. And then of course you get the, the standard effects that you guys have also talked about uh, on, on your show about, you know, you're losing too much weight too fast. Do you have an eating disorder and all, all of that, fun, oh, yeah. all of that fun stuff. I, I, I yeah. literally yeah, everything. They, they always say it. 
I was going to say, they only say it if you haven't had a $30,000 bariatric surgery. And if you've had oh. a $30,000 bariatric surgery where they've now surgically rearranged your intestinal tract, tract because apparently your intestinal tract was broken. When yeah. they do that, then they say, oh, my gosh, you're progressing just as we expected. It's wow. amazing. Yeah. The $30,000 surgery is the difference between crazy, not swallowing, and mm. <laughs> surgically modifying someone's digestive tract. So they can't swallow, you know, mm. I don't understand it, but call me crazy. I'll be, I'll happily be in the world of crazy because, you know, that was where Penn was facing. Yes. And we both agreed, Hey, we'll go into the crazy category. We'll learn not to swallow. The notion that that is normal. That's what's normal. Not passing up that meal or, or changing what you're eating. I think that's just. Or that, changing habits. I think that's literally what's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it is difficult. Neither Julian and I say, even Penn says, you know, that's actually what makes it so fun. Nobody mm -hmm. brags about, you know, walking up the little grass slope. They, they brag about climbing Everest, Everest and yeah. that ought to supercharge you. It, all you have to do yeah. is pick a no matter what time period, you know, and once you do that, they have results. I mean, Juliana can tell you, you know, a lot of times that she'll get calls for nutritional consults. And she'll look at their food log. I don't know. You you describe what you what you see. Oh yeah, well, I mean, people will say, "Oh, I eat really healthy," <laughs> and that's why I make them write down a food journal. Which, by the way, they're always gonna be a little bit more on the good side, like on the well-behaved side, when they know they're documenting to share it with me. Sure. But it's like hmm. it's always in there. I always go, "Oh, like they'll tell me, I'll I'll have this whole evening. I eat really healthy. I don't know what's going on. I can't figure it out. Every I really do well, and it's all organic, and it's all this, and it's all that. I'm like, okay, well, why don't you just send me a food journal, and I'll take a look, and boom, there's oh, it's very evident what's going on. So you know, we think we're eating healthy, but you know, sometimes it's it's night. Nice. That's what I mean. That's the whole point of of hiring someone that could look at it objectively. It's mm. hard to look objectively, but if you're not seeing the results. If you're having, you know, your biochemistry is not getting better, you're getting a new diagnosis or something, there's there's often a good reason for it. And that will, you know, it kind of manifests when you get to actually take a look at it. And sometimes it's, it's a great exercise. I have my clients do it not only for that reason, but it's also a good exercise to see, you know, to analyze it yourself because you may not even realize what you're doing, you know, and sometimes just just being a witness to it and writing it down is is quite awe-inspiring for a lot of people. So it's it's a good thing to do. And everyone should do a, a food journal once in a while and just check in and see what, what's going on. Yeah, and mm -hmm. if you don't want to write it down, just take a picture with your phone. If it's going in your mouth, take a picture of it. It's, yeah. And well, maybe you, I should say, if it's going in your mouth and you're going to swallow it, take a picture <laughs> of it. <laughs> that's a whole different kind oh, of... Oh, no. There's going to be a whole different just, category just to of be pictures. To be absolutely clear with the audience. So I'm curious. <laughs> you do that. And if you want a, even a better objective, text it to yourself. Oh, you won't wow. go blind. So just take a picture, text it to yourself, and you'll see at the end of the week, oh, my gosh, I didn't even remember I ate all that stuff. Yeah. Even the little, you know, the little donut, the little, I'm going to have the sliver Bite. of this thing. I'm making this for I'm going to have this. I'm, I'm making this. Good. That's yeah. right. I'm, I'm going to taste mm. it. I, I, like there, you, it's mm. amazing what ends up in our mouths. Mindlessly. On, yeah, yeah, on autopilot. And, and by the way, don't think just because Juliana and I are coaching people and writing books about this, that we don't have exactly the same thing. When I say you're not broken. We're no different. 
If either one of us want to lose weight, it is just as much of a monumental activity for us to do it. Maybe even more difficult mm. because the two of us can't coach one another because we're too close, right? Yeah. So, so the you know, it's like you know, I want to be on, I want to be on. Well, I don't want to be on right now, right? And remember, mm-hmm. it is our partners, our friends, our families who unintentionally sabotage us yeah. because it isn't convenient. The amount of energy you're carrying around, people that are out there listening, the amount of energy that you're carrying around if you want to lose weight is going to to dispose of that excess money, to expose of that, to expose, to to dispose of that excess debt, if you think of it as diet debt. Mm. It means you can't go to the a movie or restaurant for a while. It means that you can't go do these kinds of things like spending. You have to stop spending. It means you have to mm. take that time off, and that's going to be an important thing. So what we do in the book is mm. we give everybody a really good framework. There's not a single recipe in there that you can't eat um, at any time of the day, and if you'll just explore, you know, 30, 60, or 90 days of not deviating, I think both of you have seen mm. this. Yeah. You'll see that. Wow, things start getting better. Things start getting easier. It gets easier to not go out and have the, you know, the hors d'oeuvres at the at the reception. Mm. You can just hang out and do your business meeting. Yeah. You know, Penn saw this as a real advantage. He was negotiating during his diet, and it used to be that he would be so engorged with food and eating and all the stuff, and he wanted to run the bill up as high as he possibly could. It was just one <laughs> of his things when other people were buying food mm. and he didn't drink like most people do. Right. They run up the alcohol bill. Right. But he didn't drink. So if they got drunk, he would have the advantage negotiating. Well, he found out that he had the advantage when he wasn't eating too, because these people are just, er, er, they're one expense and they were, mm. you know, eating and just in this, you know, in this high from eating all this food. And he was just sitting there calm, you know, sipping on a seltzer water. And so you'll find that even all of the other things that we typically do around food, that you can still do those things with people and not eat. Yeah. Takes that social component out of it and and makes it about what what food really is all about, which is nourishing yourself and Mm -hmm. and building that, that basis for that ability to flourish like you were talking about. Yeah. I can't thank the both of you enough for, first of all, for taking the time to talk to us on the show and to kind of expose our, our runcation nation, if you will, (laughs) to a little bit of behind the scenes, um, uh, behind our story. Yeah, the two of you really have been such an amazing influence on mm-hmm. me and on Amy yeah. and helping me to get on my own personal journey to um, increase my health span because yeah. I was certainly too young for what I was what I was heading for and I can't thank you enough and that's a, that's a personal thank you from the yeah. bottom of my heart. Well, for me too, oh, because thank you, thank so, you much. so much. So good to hear that. Yeah, we're so happy for you, and and we're grateful for the opportunity to talk to you guys. So thank you. The yeah. book is called The Health Span Solution. It is available in bookstores on Amazon, Amazon, and we will link to it. Apple Books. Yes. 
what is next for you guys? What are you all doing now? <sighs> we have a lot. Of <laughs> so um, the, the next thing for us is that we are expanding what we're doing in terms of our coaching. So we're creating tools that help us be able to help more people, help more people without in any way jeopardizing the experience. Mm. And we're also, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to be having, and we'll, we'll put this out. If you sign up at healthspansolution.com for the emails, uh, you will be able to, you'll, you'll hear from us when we're doing this, but basically, and also listen to our, our podcast, Science and Salisbury, we'll yes. announce things on there, but hopefully in the next, uh, 45 to 60 days, we'll uh, announce a sort of a transformation um, program that's around six weeks long, and it'll be something everybody can do. And it's a solo journal, journey adventure, uh, a venture that we just have you, you know, sort of reflect on food and reflect in sort of a different way about food. But we take you through all these amazing, delicious recipes that are in the Healthspan Solution. Oh, so, you know, great. I would say just listen yeah. to Science and Saucery. Oh, go yeah. to healthspansolution.com. And we'll we'll be in touch with people from there. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, we will link to mm -hmm. the Science and Saucery podcast. It is yes. absolutely one of my favorites to listen to on my short runs. Mm -hmm. And absolutely going to link to thehealthspansolution.com so our listeners can get more of Juliana and Ray as they help them add life to their years. And if I could get you guys maybe to close out our show with oh. how you close your show out and tell oh. people to remember. Aww. Yeah, we can. <laughs> Go <laughs> for ready? it. Absolutely. <laughs> well, we love to say thank you for joining us on this leafy green path to good health. It's always the food. So remember, keep, keep eating, eating right. So, Dana, we are headed into the drink portion of our show. We have talked about running. We have talked about eating great food. And we are now on to the drink portion of our show. I've been on to the drink portion. I've been sipping on this coffee for, you know, since we started recording. Okay. So, he kind of let the coffee out of the bag, I guess. Ooh, I see what you did there. Uh-huh. So, we... Uh, being a travel podcast, normally we like to feature drinks from wherever we complete our races. We completed a virtual race here in town, the Top Run Challenge this week. And we thought we would extend the South Cape Takeout Weekend 2020 by featuring some great local coffee. And joining us today from Narrative Coffee Roasters is Caleb McPherson owner of this great coffee company. So, Caleb, welcome to our show. Amy, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank and you. Thanks for taking time. I know it's it's a busy time for you here locally as you have instituted some local delivery all over Southwest Florida. For sure, yeah. Yeah, but that's not how you started. When I was looking at your website... I mean, I found you because when when I'm when I was at work before we had to close down and all this madness, we were privileged enough to have your coffee at work. And I can tell you, I am really missing your nitro cold brew. <laughs> I am jonesing I, I, for that. 
<laughs> I've heard that quite a bit recently. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how you can make it happen in this current environment, but that's how I discovered you. And I know that you're getting ready to open a shop here in the summer of 2020 once all this madness has passed us and we're all healthy and safe. But tell us how you got started in the coffee business. Yeah, I, uh, so I actually am from Canada originally. Um, I was uh, born and raised in the Ottawa area, uh-huh. um, capital of Canada. And my first coffee job was back in 2000 and, oh gosh, nine or 10 okay. um, at Starbucks. Uh-huh. Uh, and I, I always joke with people and say that um, Starbucks didn't really teach me much about coffee, mm. but they taught me more than almost anyone else about customer service. Really? Uh, and especially then. I think their service has waned since. But then I think they were at the height of their customer service game. Mm. And so they taught me over the course of a year and a half that I worked with them there um, how to how to deal with people really, really, really well. And those were skills that although I didn't learn much from coffee, those were skills that were essential. And then from there I ended up working with a – um, a mom and pop uh, coffee roaster just outside of Ottawa called the Quater Coffee Roasters, oh. and uh, worked with them for a while. And then when I moved down to Southwest Florida, um, I was expecting to get out of coffee. Oh, and um, I ended up spending the first couple of years here uh, just kind of complaining and whining to my wife. And uh, being the great, amazing wife she is, she finally just told me one day, "Look." I'm tired of hearing uh, gripe about this. So either do something or shut up. <laughs> she uh, motivated you to do it, <laughs> to get back to coffee. Yeah, and I didn't think she was serious. Uh, I thought she kind of was just, you know, talking out her butt. And <laughs> so I um, I kind of pushed the envelope a little bit and asked to pull money out of savings. And she agreed with it. And nice. so, uh, yeah, so that was back in 2016 now. Um, the fall of 2016, I believe it was, we purchased a little tiny sample roaster and we started roasting coffee in our apartment at first. But now wait, you, did you not roast? Did I not read on your website? Narrativecoffeeroasters.com, by the way. Uh Did I not read in your story that you started in a popcorn machine? Okay. Yeah, I could really, I could really geek out with you. Yeah. So we (laughs) We actually got um, you know those old school whirly pop popcorn makers you put on the stove top and you, you spin it around you crank it yeah you oh. your popcorn kernels in yeah your you crank it when it starts popping yeah so without going geeking too hard here I um <laughs> I actually drilled a hole in the top and mm-hmm. I rigged a thermocoupler uh, into the popcorn maker so I could uh, check the ambient temperature um, and then I also rigged a um, an adjustable speed fan to try and simulate some kind of airflow. Give it convection, um, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. So coffee is roasted uh, using conductive and convective energy, a combination of the two. Uh, most coffee, I should say. And uh, I tried to simulate that in the apartment. I did that for a couple months. Uh, smoked out our apartment every single time. Oh, no. Um, yeah. I keep my, this is an apartment building of uh, 12 units. So <laughs> our neighbors loved us. <laughs> and, uh, and then finally... Um, we, we had multiple points in the company where it was kind of like this. We looked at each other and realized we have to, we have to take a jump. There's got to mm-hmm. be a, a significant jump made. And so I would say mm-hmm. our first jump was my wife allowing me to take a few thousand dollars to buy a sample roaster. Nice. And so 
Yeah, and that, so we, we definitely started on the little, little there's a little popcorn, uh, whirly pop popcorn maker, and uh, it was fun. Uh, it was super inconsistent, uh, <laughs> but it was fun, and it was it was uh, it was a learning experience. And then from there, we, we got a, um, a a sample roaster, which um, roasts 350 grams of green coffee at a time, so it comes out to about 10 ounces of roasted coffee. Mm. And so we started with that as the business, as Narrative Coffee Roasters. And we eventually moved it to uh, our garage. Uh, we roasted in our garage for a while. And uh, kind of we amassed a couple of wholesale partners, which was hysterical to roast production coffee on a sample roaster. Um, it was a, a lot of late nights. Uh, yeah. The, you know, 10-hour roast sessions just to get a couple five-pound bags. <laughs> yeah. And then we reached kind of that, that point again where it was a uh, look at each other and realize, okay, we got to make another jump. We want to mm. do this. And so that's when we secured the roaster that we're using now. And we got our own space. And you have, and so you, you have your own space. You're going to open your own shop shortly, but you have been partnering with, with retail and doing wholesale to this point. Is yeah. that, is that right? Yeah. Our business has been, um, uh, predominantly business to business up until um, up until this whole uh, crisis we're all going mm-hmm. through uh, the last three and a bit years of, as a company um, we spent uh, zero dollars on ads simply because um, we weren't we weren't working uh, with the general public so to speak we were doing everything business to business so our business really honestly was built just by knocking on doors um, word of mouth hmm? yeah just knocking yeah. on doors introducing ourselves dropping off samples kind of being a past knocking on the same door again and again and again and again and um, hearing a lot of no's and hearing a handful of yes's and uh, that's how the business is really built. Keeping after it. But you, but people can also book you to come serve coffee at events as well. Yeah, so this kind of all unfolded. Uh, you know, I summed up a couple of years in, in 45 seconds or so. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so actually I worked a lot of jobs while we first started. Um, that was another jump we had to make was the uh, quitting my, my, my day job to mm-hmm. finally do this full time. But mm. uh, yeah, I worked for a company called um, DBI. Uh, they, um, they were basically contracted by the state to maintain um, different roadways. So one of the roadways was I-75. And after Irma hit, um, I was doing cleanup on I-75 with this company. And I remember going, goodness, like, I wish someone would just roll up a coffee cart and serve some good coffee. Because like, I am so tired of what I can get right now. Mm. And uh, we were working really long days cleaning up the roadways. And uh, now kind of was the inception of the coffee cart idea. (laughs) Uh, So thankfully, my business partner at the time said, Mm -hmm. um, that's a great idea. But, you know, how are we going to monetize it in in, in the times we don't have a hurricane? (laughs) Yeah. And so uh, that's where we started kind of getting into events and weddings and all kinds of stuff with the coffee cart. But you also now, you have whole bean and you have ground coffee in bags that you will ship anywhere. Anywhere in the, in the United, United States. Yeah. yeah, in the United States. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And this is only a recent adaptation, just, just to be clear. Up until the COVID-19 issue, you were solely business to business. Now you're, you've pivoted. You've you, well, we. We did have a very, very it was, we had a very, very, very small portion of retail online. Mm-hmm. We, we basically, we, we opened an online store going, we know we need to do this. Um, mm-hmm. I am not a very techie person. 
I'll admit that right up front. Uh, and so it was something where I, I've always said, we'll, we'll open it, we'll put it up there. And then when I have the time or someone with the expertise to come alongside and help me really do this well, mm-hmm. we'll really focus on it then. But until then, I, I know people. I'm good with people. I can yeah. handle that. And I'll, just, I'll, I'll play to my strengths. Um, and so we did, I mean, for an example, I mean, I think in last year in 2019, we did maybe in the whole year, maybe $2,000 of sales online. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was not a focus of ours at all. Um, but with this recent, uh, crisis going on, it has definitely become much more of a focus. Yeah. So, and, and the reason that I bring that up is yes, we have, uh, our Runcation Nation is is across this nation and 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 not just locally. So I want to make sure that they know that they can get your coffee on your website, have the have it shipped to them in the United States. But tell us, you said you know people and you can get the techie side done, but you have the passion and the knowledge of coffee. And sure. tell us about your coffees. Yeah, so all, all of our coffee is um, seasonally uh, selected. So we are um, people. When you get like the business side, we'll get I'll get in a business meeting with someone, and they'll always ask like, "What's your what's your competitive advantage? Like, what what sets you apart?" <laughs> and I, I always tell people like, it's really, 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 really simple. Like, I, we don't do anything fancy, nothing crazy. We just buy a better product. That that, that really. I've always told people you can't make you can't make a crappy uh, green green bean like coffee taste good. Mm. No, you, you can't. And you have so, to start so with the right product. Yeah. So, so our, our our thing is very very simple. We just pay a premium for coffee, and, and and in reality, like any other business, that premium is passed down to customers who are willing to pay it because they see the value. So, mm. what what sets our coffee apart really just is the fact that we just buy better coffee than than most others. Not not all there's companies that buy way better coffee than us. But for the most part we just buy we buy better coffee. Um, our coffee is uh, seasonal, meaning we, we, we keep coffee that, that that's fresher to harvest. Mm. Um, we don't we don't keep the same coffee year round. Um, our coffee rotates every four to six months. Um, so you pass that freshness off to the people who are enjoying your coffee. Exactly. Exactly. And I always tell people we're not we're not we're not for everybody. If, if you want to have the exact same burnt cup of coffee 12 months out of the year, I'd recommend a handful of other companies. We're not the one. Um, and so that's something we had to figure out really early on was just this. Uh, we wanted to, to, to build a company we would be proud of 10 years down the road. And so we wanted to build a company that I could walk into a shop and, and, and enjoy a cup of coffee. And I just, mm-hmm. I personally don't like burnt coffee. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like some of the, the more classic styles that, that are out there. And so we just, we tailor to a very different audience. We like to highlight the coffee's natural flavors. Um, so that's the fun thing with coffee is there's, you know, there's 500 to 600 volatile compounds within a green coffee seed that when you roast them, they get to interact with each other and create new compounds. And so, you know, I've had coffee that, that tastes anywhere from you know like a like a sweet molasses brown sugar you know yeah. semi-sweet chocolate all the way to coffee that literally tastes like a blueberry pie just put in your mouth mm. um we have a coffee right now that tastes like tropical fruit tastes mm. like mango and pineapple and now which one is that kiwi. that's the the naturally processed costa rican the yeah. costa rican tira that's that's the um, one we're having right now as a matter yeah. of fact yeah yeah right? 
and it's juicy, right? Like it, 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 it's like, it's almost like you drink it and it causes your, 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 your um, uh, what are those, the glands called that the, 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 cause you to salivate. Mm-hmm. It's like this strange, it's like, what? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm drinking, I'm drinking our Ethiopian Gadeb right now and it tastes like strawberries and cream, quite frankly. Ooh. Um, and so we just like to highlight the natural flavors in the coffee uh, and really just present those to the consumer. Now, you you just highlighted the Ethiopian and one of the Costa Rican that you currently have up there on your website, but you also have a, another version of the Costa Rican. For sure. So actually, that's the, that's the funny thing. So I love when um, th- those, those two coffees, we have two Costa Ricans on the website right now. One is called uh, um, La Pastora, just the name of the farm. It's the third year that you purchased this coffee from the same farmer. Um, but... The, 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 the La Pastora and the Tira, which is the one you two are drinking right now, mm-hmm. um, they're actually growing about five miles apart. So they're, they're, they're growing relatively close together, um, and they could not taste more different. Uh, the, the La Pastora is what I would consider the, um, the crowd pleaser, kind of the more classic. It's, uh, it's going to carry more like a semi-sweet chocolate, oh. baking spice, a little more deep sweetness. Mm. Um, and that's one of the things I love about coffee is that, you know, people will say like, well, I like a, I like a Colombian coffee. And I always tell people that's like, that's like telling a wine lover. I like, I like a, I like a red. Right. Um, right. It just doesn't mean anything. It, it doesn't, it's, it's, there, there's so much within that. And same with coffee. Uh, and the Costa Ricans we have on the website are a great an, uh, an example of that. Um, that you can have coffees that are growing, you know, five miles apart and taste drastically different. I was going to say, uh, just, you you seem to really take advantage of the nuances between the different beans. Like, I, I was looking, literally looking at the whole bean before grinding it this morning, and I can tell that you, you are peak roasting as opposed to going for a specific um, uniform color, um, like some of the the major chains do, you're you're not you're not over roasting. You're seems like you're going for a specific result with each bean. For for sure, and and it's hard to it's hard to uh, um, to to criticize for me to criticize the big chains for doing it because I always joke with people. I always say, you know, put me in a dream in in, in, a, in, a, in a fantasy world, and you know, you, you put me as the head of Starbucks right now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep burning the coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not it's not a slight against them at all, but you know they have a major issue at hand, and the the issue is how do you, you know, they want consistency? Yep. They want someone to walk into a New York shop, taste mm. the exact same thing as a Shanghai shop, yep. taste the exact same as Fort Myers, taste the exact anywhere, taste the exact thing. Well, you the only way to make an agricultural product taste the exact same is just to burn it all. Mm. Uh, if you burn it all, it all tastes burnt. Mm. Um, and and so I, in that sense. We have that to our advantage of the we're a small company. We can we can we can pivot with one call. Um, we can we can we can pivot in a day kind of thing um, because we're small. Yeah. Uh, and so and we've always liked the idea of uh, having a conversation um, about a coffee rather than just assuming it's always going to taste the same. And, and we do try and get coffees that have similar flavor profile. So we'll always have a coffee like the the wash process Costa Rican the La Pastora. We'll always have something that's a familiar coffee. Um, that people are going to, it's kind of just a crowd pleaser. Everyone likes it. And we'll always have coffees that are a little more funky and fruity and, 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 and fun. 
But you now locally for the for the people who are listening locally, you also have bags of your cold brew and also of your oat milk latte. Yeah, is that right? Mm-hmm. Did I get yeah, them? Right? We, uh, <laughs> no, you got it. You got it spot on. It's uh, um, yeah, we have uh, our cold brew coffee uh, available in half gallon and gallon bags. Although they, we will be going to a little more familiar half gallon uh, and gallon milk jugs. Oh. Um, mainly due to uh, shortages and supplies on the bags you were using. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and then we also have our, our lavender oat milk latte as well. It's also available at half gallon and gallon. Um, yeah, and that's and we're oat actually, milk. We're, so that's somebody who is vegan or, vegan vegetarian, or vegetarian. Yeah. Or can, lactose intolerant. Yeah. Or lactose intolerant can take advantage of and enjoy that. Yeah. And it's, I just, without like digging into the, the environmental side it's it is uh no questions about it out of all the alternative milks oat milk has the least by a long shot uh, a negative impact on the environment when it comes to how they make it um yes. and so yes. it's just, it's like a, for me it's, it's a feel-good milk i just there's like nothing was harmed you know uh by, by the processing of it you know we're not destroying the planet by drinking it and quite honestly in my opinion, it simulates whole milk the best. Ah, okay. And that makes a difference if you're, especially when you're doing coffee, you want it to actually cream your coffee. Uh, I've, I've tried using some of the other uh, plant-based milks in coffee, and you just don't get a great result. Mm. For sure. Yeah, I, f- I find almond milk is, is a little, it's just, it's, it's thin, uh, when you put yeah, it in, and then when yeah. you steam it, it just kind of tastes like burnt nuts. Oh. Um, and so oat milk, I find, has a nicer balance. Uh, it definitely tastes oaty. There's no question about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you steam it, uh, as long as you don't steam it too um, too high in temperature, um, it it maintains a nice thickness that kind of resembles a whole milk better than most other alternatives. And I'd be curious to try that with the lavender simple syrup. That sounds pretty interesting. And, and I, felt, I felt like it was just a good, it was a good spring drink. We, we, we actually, so one of our things we've always wanted to do in the shop when we launch is, um, is to do seasonal menus. And so we've done them on the cart before where we have, you know, a seasonal drink that's in for winter or for spring or mm-hmm. for summer. And so we were going to hold off on this one, but I was like, you know what? We need to figure out a way to give people a spring drink now. Cause mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know a better time to want to feel like it's spring yes. than during all this craziness. Absolutely. A time for renewal, rebirth, regeneration. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Exactly. So your coffee is available across the United States in whole bean, or, or do you grind it as well? Yeah, we can grind it for people if, uh, if they need. Um, we always recommend nowadays grinders, you can get a decent grinder for, for, for such a cheap price. Inexpensive. Yeah. I, I, de- I, de- I definitely always recommend people like, hey, if you're going to pay a premium for a product, yeah. you might as well enjoy it at its best. Yeah. Um, and I de- encourage people to get a grinder, but I mean, if you don't have a grinder, we'll gladly grind it for you by all means. And, and you do decaf as well as caffeinated coffee? Yep. Yeah, we have a, um, a, a wash process Colombian right now for, for our decaf. Yeah. And people can find out more about your coffee and order it either across the United States in, in the bags or uh, locally with the, mm-hmm. the 
lavender oat milk latte or the cold brew, which I'm so excited about, at, yeah. at uh, narrativecoffeeroasters.com. That's correct. Yeah, and if, if, they're, if they're a Southwest Florida resident, when they go to the website, they'll see a, a little private portal for Southwest Florida residents to get the free delivery. But you can also jump on Instagram and Facebook and see uh, some of some of the great work that you're doing and, and preview some of the coffee, learn a little bit more about you and your family. You know what else I like about your website that I didn't say? There's a, a homebrew series of videos. Yeah. And that's, is that you starring in those? That's not. <laughs> those are from, yeah, those are, we pulled those out of the archives during all this crisis. So most people now are like, wait, who is that guy with the dreads? <laughs> uh, that, that's me. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I had dread, I had dreadlocks for a decade. Um, <laughs> and you, but, so you have you have several different videos. If people want to follow direction in terms of how they're going to brew their coffee at home, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I uh, um, we have I think four or five videos up. Yeah. Just do a basic walkthrough of different brewing devices and how to brew at home. Nice. Um, it's nothing, it, it's any, anything someone can just pick up and, and do right away. Uh, it's not super complicated. No. Um, and it's just basically trying to help people to, 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 to drink better coffee at home, especially yeah. in times like this. Yeah, it's a so. great way to bring the coffee shop back home when you're supposed yeah. to be staying inside and social distancing. So yeah, absolutely. when you can't get out there, then the coffee can come to you. So narrativecoffeeroasters.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Narrative Coffee Roasters. Caleb, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us on the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. Of course. Amy, Dana, thank you two for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you for what you're doing for the community, too. We saw that on on your website there is a place for locals to actually donate coffee to healthcare workers. So yeah, also Actually, we're gonna we're gonna be uh, finally doing our, our first uh, um, big round next Friday uh, uh, to uh, bring coffee to NCH both their locations. Nice. That's Naples Community Hospital for the folks yeah. who are sure. outside of the area. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, we thank you for what you're doing for those local healthcare workers, and we thank you for what you're doing by bringing your coffee to the community, and we hope that a lot of people will. Go to narrativecoffeeroasters.com and order a bag of this delicious coffee that we are enjoying with you on this little coffee chat this morning. Thank you again. Of course. Thank you. That was such a great interview, and I'll tell you why. Because you and Caleb got to geek out over coffee. I, I'll tell you what. He is doing some amazing stuff between his, you know, so carefully selecting the right varietal of bean the peak roasting that he's doing to bring out the best flavor in each bean that he's choosing. And the fact that he's only doing a small amount uh, of different varieties, but doing them really well. Mm. You got to love that kind of craftsmanship. Narrativecoffeeroasters.com. Check them out and have some beans shipped anywhere in the U.S. Or if you're local, look at some of the coffees that he's offering for local delivery. We've already got two bags of the stuff for the locals, which is that oat milk latte and his cold brew coffee in our refrigerator. Mm -hmm. Locals, take advantage of that. Everybody else, 
get some of his whole bean, grind it yourself. You are not going to be disappointed. Awesome. And a special thank you to Caleb and Narrative Coffee Roasters. Best of luck to you and your future endeavors. Coming up next week, we're going to be bringing Disney home since we can't be there with another episode that has not one, but two exciting interviews. And we need your help. We need you guys to share some Run Disney memories with us. Yes. Now we're all going through the FOMO because we can't be there for Star Wars Rival Run Weekend and to complete our Kessel Run Challenge. So to bookend these amazing interviews, we're asking you to share a Run Disney memory. If you want to share your memory, please leave us a one-minute message with your name, where you're from, and your memory. You can leave it as a voicemail at 941 877-2733. That's 941-677-2733. Or you can send it in an email as as a little voice recording attachment, or you can write out that memory and we'll read it at info at runeatdrink.net. That's info at runeatdrink.net. Yeah, the easiest way to do that is use the voice recording function on your on your mobile phone or mm-hmm. tablet. Uh, record the audio snippet and just email it as an attachment to us. We'd love to hear it. We're going to share these audio snippets throughout the week mm-hmm. as quick bites, and it's going to just be a great way for us to to all get in the mood for this upcoming episode and we're teasing the fact that we've got these interviews but we promise you it's going to be worth your while we will satisfy our fomo by bringing some run disney right home to everyone in the runcation nation i can't wait well for now i'm amy and i'm dana thanks for listening to the runny drink podcast take care be safe and we will talk to you really soon Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We're having a great third year because of your support. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Run, Eat, Drink podcast. And on Twitter, we're at Run, Eat, Drink pod. You can also give us a call at 941-677-2733 or shoot us an email at info at runeatdrink.net. Visit our website at runeatdrink.net and click on the subscribe link so you don't miss a minute. Accomplish, explore, and indulge right along with us. We'll talk to you next time.